Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Explosions reported in Syria as the United States retaliates against the strike in Jordan. Donald Trump responds to Fawny Willis admitting she had an affair with Nathan Wade. And uh, the latest in the security theater is the TSA's facial recognition technology. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. In addition to that... Jordan Peterson, who's actually coming to Philadelphia in May, um, he's going to give a talk. There's a great there's a great piece about him today in the New York Post that he is doomed to be a victim of woke culture. Jordan Peterson is doomed to be a victim of woke culture. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, the big story, though, right now is that explosions have been reported in Syria. Dr. Victoria Coates will join us at 430. She's the expert in foreign policy. We'll get the lay of the land from her. And what all this means and where all this could go from here, because none of us know, obviously, and 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 she's she's the best. So Philadelphia's own Dr. Victoria Coates will join us at 430. The other thing, too, that I want to mention is is on this Groundhog Day where now little pucks has uh, given us an early spring we can hope for. The other thing I want to mention is that what happened in New York with these illegal immigrants who beat up these cops and then they were released on bail is an absolute travesty of justice. And these guys have now fled to California. They're gone. They're in the wild. They're, they're, they're gone. There's no justice there. Alvin Bragg, who's a political hack who made his entire career after going out, pledged to go after Donald Trump. He's, he's another Larry Krasner, soft on criminals, soft on crime. And he let these guys go. He let these guys go after beating up two cops. Here's the president of the NYC Police Benevolent Association slamming the Democrat laws that released these illegal immigrants back onto the streets. Cut number two. Why aren't they in jail right now? They brutally attacked a New York City police officer and a lieutenant. Our criminal justice system is upside down. It fails every day. Exactly right. And Governor Kathy Hochul even acknowledged what we've all been saying, which is that you have to deport these people. Yes, you have to deport them. They should be deported. On the subway, looking like a regular commoner, the governor of New York said the following. Get them all and send them back. You don't, you don't touch our police officers. You don't touch anybody. Thank you, everybody. 
Send them back from from whence you came. Welcome to the party, pal. That's isn't that funny though? How these Democrats who were all pro sanctuary city, pro sanctuary states, which meant that the feds could not send these people back. They could not deport people who were criminals. Now suddenly, all oh, big change of heart, right? When it arrives at their doorstep, would Jim Kenny be doing the white man's overbite, dancing and singing "We Are a Sanctuary City" in today's climate? Probably not. But they never thought it would come to their doorstep. So. It was fine for them to say it. Fine. But now, suddenly, it's a big problem, isn't it? You heard that guy in that news clip, and I told you, Donald Trump is doing better with the black vote than any other Republican, period. And and, and Biden is hemorrhaging support of of the black voters and Hispanic voters, too. But that guy in in that news clip, and he said, uh, he's a South Carolina voter, he said, Biden needs to do more on the border. Biden needs to do more on the border. Of course he does. But the scam that's happening right now in Washington is that they are holding out for more money for Ukraine. And so they're going to have another vote next week on more Ukraine funding, tying it to the border. It's a joke of a bill. The bill needs to go down in flames. And we need to deal with Ukraine separately from the border, separately from Israel, separately from, quote unquote, humanitarian aid to Gaza. Trump just responded to the news of the day brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venari of VenariaDental.com. Get your perfect smile today with my friend, my dentist, and the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. He responded and said the following, Fawny Willis, the DA of Fulton County, just admitted to having a sexual relationship with the prosecutor. She, in consultation with the White House and Department of Justice, appointed to get President Donald J. Trump. By going after the most high-level person and the Republican nominee, she was able to get her lover much more money, almost a million dollars, than she would be able to get for the prosecution of any other person or individual. That means that this scam is totally discredited and over. He's right. It is over, and it is a scam, and Fawny Willis's case is done. Their dreams of having Donald Trump incarcerated in a Georgia jail, over. Escape from Georgia, penal edition, is not going to happen because he will not be in the penal system because the case is done. Bottom line, it's, it's done, it's over. So that's that. You know, and, and, and look, I, you and I both know that the arrogance of Fawny Willis to go to a black church and to say that they were coming after her because people are racist, playing the race card, you know what I mean? So now this is what we are finding out right now. And thanks to David Vanderhoof for tweeting this out. He said, U.S. defense officials have confirmed that between 8 to 12 sites in eastern Syria and Iraq used by the IRGC and the Iranian-backed groups have been targeted by the United States Air Force within the last hour. So all this is happening as we speak. Uh, and this check-in on social media brought to you by our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 where relationships matter. Cherry Hill Volvo. Get Riggs says Carl Weathers was in The Mandalorian recently, too, and was pretty good. One of the few series Disney hasn't destroyed yet. True, but they did come close when they got rid of Gina Carano for tweeting out something that was that was so, so vanilla. But nevertheless, they fired her, even though Pedro Pascal, who's the main character... The actor had tweeted out something comparing Trump to Hitler, and he kept his job. Gina Carano lost hers. She was saying something to the effect of it was during COVID. You know, this is this is essentially how the the people of Germany wound up turning on the Jews. It was it was because they had to rat out their friends and their neighbors. And she was making a historical correlation. I always think it's a good rule in life to to try to find other 
historical events. Other dictators, other tyrannical regimes, there's no shortage of them. Pol Pot, uh, Lenin, Stalin, Justin Trudeau's dad. There's no shortage of dictators you can find throughout the world who you can use. You don't need to always go Nazi and always go Hitler with your with your uh, analogies. But nevertheless, Gina Carano got fired. Pedro compared Trump to Hitler. He kept his job. So, you know, I, I, mean, I, I honestly, what's that? I was just going to say, I don't think Matt heard your little quip there. Oh, the Censorati did yeah. not hear it? No, I don't think he heard it. Sorry, I'm trying to keep up with this Syria uh, strike situation. No, that's good. You should. I don't need the, sen- the Censorati. It's okay. It's fine. All I said was I was naming dictators around the world, and I just simply said you can use others besides Hitler. Pol Pot, Stalin, Lenin, Justin Trudeau's dad. That's all I said. I didn't say <laughs> What did I say? I don't what? know enough about Pierre Trudeau's regime. Maybe he was slightly authoritarian. Could be right. Allegedly. Allegedly, he was. I'm just allegedly, you know. ABC News is now reporting that an initial battery of strikes in Syria did not come from the United States. Though the United States strikes are still anticipated. Jennifer Griffin apparently contracted her report about the U.S. being responsible for the strikes. Okay, so all this is, again, developing, and we're going to have a lot of this throughout the afternoon for you. But that's, you know, if stuff comes in, we'll we'll report it to you, we'll bring it to you, and then, you know, you can just stay right here. You don't have to go anywhere because uh, Dr. Victoria Coates is coming up, and she's the the expert in all this stuff. Speaking of Carl Weathers, though, the scene in Rocky, there there are two scenes in the Rocky movies that I consistently think of, three, there are three, there are three, that I consistently think of in life to motivate myself. One of them we hear at the Phillies games all the time. They play the scene from Rocky Balboa where Rocky gives his son a lecture about how life is the toughest opponent you'll ever face. It will knock you down. you got to get back up. And he says, that's how winning is done. That's a great scene. Gives me chills. The other is when Rocky is at the bar in Philly, in South Philly, and, he's, and, and the bartender says something you know, about taking your shot. Rocky says something about taking your shot, and the bartender takes his shot, takes an actual shot of liquor. I love that scene in Rocky. Because it really reminds people that you either take your shot in life or you don't. And there's a lot of people who don't take their shot in life when they're given that opportunity. And then the other is the scene where Apollo Creed comes to Rocky in Rocky Three and says to him, you lost the eye of the tiger. Now, this is what, what I mean by this is in terms of motivation, I think it's very easy to, to get to a, a place in life and get comfortable there and think to yourself, all right. And you find this a lot, I think. Let's take talk radio for an example of this. I think there are a lot of hosts out there. They're mostly nationally syndicated hosts, and I do not mean Mark Levin. There are mostly national, national, nationally syndicated hosts out there who phone it in. I don't mean phone it in in terms of doing the show from home, because obviously that put me in that category. No, I mean they phone it in. They don't, they don't put their heart and soul into the show. They don't give it their all every day. And it's easy in life, I think, to get into ruts like that. In whatever profession you're in, where you just kind of rest on your laurels. But there was a time when you really wanted to pursue something. So I see, I equate that to getting on this radio station. I had no radio experience whatsoever. I never worked in the business. Dr. Maz made an introduction for me to meet Ed Palladino, the program director at the time. And the best I could get, the best I could do back then was the internet show during the Phillies games, back when Talk Radio 1210 was the big talker, and we, had, we were the home of the Phillies, and the big talker would take the Phillies games live, and then on the stream, the internet stream, 
what would happen is the program director would let some of the hosts, they were mostly producers, like Clinton Petty, for example. He and I did a show together. They would let, He would let us go into the studio and kind of practice our craft a little bit in the safety of the internet stream, which we did not carry the games on. This is, of course, obviously pre-Odyssey, pre-app, pre-everything. We were CBS Radio at the time. So the internet stream would not uh, because of the license we have with the Phillies we couldn't carry the games on the stream this is all it was all new back then it was streaming radio and, and all this other stuff and we really didn't have a great platform for it you go to the bigtalker.com and you could listen online and stuff and i would do that but anyway i would drive i would come to work i didn't get paid for i don't know a, a year i would do those internet shows i think the highest number of listeners we had one time for the internet show was 56 not thousand, 56, as in 56 individuals, listening during this stream of the internet show. But I didn't care because I wanted my, my dream, my goal was to be a full-time host on the radio station. And it took me a couple, it took me months where I could get out of just doing the internet stream show, talking to 50 people, to then I could start doing overnights, to then I could start doing weekends, to then I could start doing fill-in during the day parts, as we call it, the actual shows that matter, to eventually I could get my first gig, which was the 6 to 9 guy, but we stole the Phillies, so it was only half the year, because the other half of the year we had the games. And the other half of the year, I get bumped for women's highlight, uh, ping pong tournaments, whatever, whatever, whatever contract sales made to make money with whatever school, you know what I mean? To have today, we're going to have kangaroo boxing. So I get bumped for that. I didn't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 no offense to you. I'd probably choose the kangaroo boxing. That sounds exciting. All right. That's fair. I mean, that's true. I, if, if, they, if they had kangaroo boxing on the radio, say, I would listen to that. I would. That I would listen to. That's true. <laughs> but then I was offered the first chance I was ever offered to host a show was to be was to be Dick Morris's co-host. And I turned it down. I just didn't feel right about it. And then I waited. And then in 2014, they named me the afternoon drive host when Dick left the station to go help defeat Clinton. Anyway, the point is that I know every day when I get on this radio behind this microphone, I cannot take it for granted. I have to work at it because you're only as good as your last show in life. I mean, I believe that. I do. I believe that. I think you're only as good as your last show. And every, every, we're always going to have shows that are marginal every time. You know, it's not, you can't always have a home run, but you're only as good as your last show. That is something that I will teach my children in life in whatever capacity that they do. Every day, you have to find that eye of the tiger. I, you do. I mean, I mean that. Because if you just take it for granted, if you just ride it out, then you're not. You're never going to achieve anything beyond where you are. And maybe that's okay, because maybe you are where you want to be. But then the problem is, there's always somebody chomping at the bit to take your place. There's always someone who would love to kill me. Like Matt Rooney, I have to have a food checker when I'm around him, you know. Because Rooney would love to poison me. <laughs> kill me and take this this time slot so i won't be around rooney if there's any weapons in the room or anything like that you know next friday i'm i'm speaking at the atlanta county republicans dinner we're honoring jeff van drew and rooney will be there and i don't want to be around him if there's a steak knife or anything on the table because he will murder me to try to take this show that's what i mean so there's always somebody chomping at the bit behind you in life so you got to make sure that you're always giving your best and that's another thing in life that I think is a lesson that Apollo Creed taught Rocky in Rocky 3. As we remember, Carl Weathers, take a listen to this. 
That's not the way to do it. Who's that? Why don't you hit it straight, huh? Step into it. Apollo? Right. What are you doing here? Business. Why? Well, to be honest with you, I don't think you can pull it off without me, Rob. Look, man. When you beat me, I hurt all over, and I didn't want to know from nothing or nobody, not even my kids. But hell, every fighter knows that hurt, and we get sick inside trying to live with it. So don't back off now. Make it right for yourself, or you'll be sorry you didn't. We held the greatest title in the whole world, babe. You lost that fight, Rock, for all the wrong reasons. You lost your edge. All right. I know your manager dying had you all messed up inside. But the truth is, you didn't look hungry. Now, when we fought, you had that eye of the tiger, man, the edge. And now you've got to get it back. And the way to get it back is to go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe we could win it back together. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have a tiger, man. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, this is a, is a reporting mess right now, but what we're hearing now is that there are in fact, retaliatory U S airstrikes against Iranian targets in Syria and Iraq. All right. So this is what this is. I'm telling you times like this. I'm, I love the fact that I'm back in afternoons. I really am because I love the breaking news, but it's also a little bit frustrating because we're getting conflicting reports all over the place. Now what we're saying, what, what we're being told now, and Jennifer Griffin's on Fox news reporting this, she, she's saying what we can say, what we have been expecting all afternoon. And for days now, frankly, is that the United States campaign led by us central command, which will involve air assets and sea assets, as well as space assets, this is going to be a multi-tiered campaign, and it's going to be over several days, and it's going to increase in intensity. It's going to strike multiple targets, I'm told, upwards of a dozen to two dozen targets in Syria and Iraq, targeting those Iranian proxy forces, the bases where they store the rockets, the drones, the command and control, and that is what they're going to be focusing on. That's what we're understanding now. That's what we're hearing. Retaliatory U.S. airstrikes against targets in Syria and Iraq. This is an unfolding story. We'll be all over it for you. Don't worry about a thing. Dr. Victoria Coates will be here in about 10 minutes so we can talk about it with her and figure it all out. So anyway, I think about, I think about the eye of the tiger in terms of, I think Trump's got it still. I really do. I think he's got it and heading into 2024 big time. I think he's back on his game. I think he's ready to go. I think he's ready to fight. Interestingly enough, Joe Biden is now calling for national unity. Yeah, my buddy James Bovard sent a great piece from the New York Post. Bovard was on, he, he wrote the book um, Last Rights about the assault on our liberty. And he wrote a piece in the New York Post about this. He said, Biden speaks of hell at the national prayer breakfast. His speech certainly was. And I'll, I'll talk to you about that as well. Plus, Jordan Peterson is facing a almost certain cancellation by woke Canada. And the other question is, is the Transportation Security Administration now with their new facial recognition technology, is this going to be the latest security theater absurdity that we all have to deal with as American citizens? You bet. I'll give you details on that as well as the show unfolds today. 
I'll tell you about our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo because I'm so grateful for our wonderful relationship with them. They are the absolute best. On Route 70 in Cherry Hill, simply nobody better than the wonderful people at Cherry Hill Volvo. I'd love for you to go see them today. Judith, Yosef, the entire team, they'd love to see you. They'll take great care of you. And remember something, we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios every single day. In this day and age of cancel culture, like what Jordan Peterson is facing, Judith Krupnik doubled down. She said, I want the studio naming rights. And that's what I mean. You should stand with them as well. For example, the S-Class, beautiful S-Class, made right at their plant in South Carolina, thousands of American jobs. The XC90, the third row SUV. The new family car, forget the minivan. This is a beautiful, stylish SUV. Or perhaps you want to do a certified pre-owned Volvo. Either way, Cherry Hill Volvo and Route 70 in Cherry Hill, they'll take incredible care of you. They're the region's most accessible Volvo dealership, minutes over the bridge in Cherry Hill, and there for you today to give you the luxury experience that you deserve. Great people dedicated to a great experience. Now, they're undergoing a big renovation, but don't let that stop you. Because they have inventory and they're ready to find you the absolute best incentives they can to make sure you're getting the absolute best price on that Volvo with excellent financing available and also the Care by Volvo lease program of which I'm part of where every five months you get the opportunity to try a different Volvo. So reach out to them today. And remember, they stand with us. They stand with Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. She's also the vice president of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation and former deputy national security advisor to President Donald Trump. She's Philly's own Dr. Victoria Coates. Hello, my friend. Thank you for joining me on an incredibly busy news breaking news day. It's a heck of an afternoon, Rich. Good to be with you. And I know you're in high demand and you're about to be everywhere. So we're getting you first, which is huge. (laughs) Yes, yes, you are. Uh, And I think that this will be of great interest to to your listeners. It's 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 a pretty momentous day. All right. Now we're getting different reports. But what what do you know so far that that is that is happening? What looks like happened were about eight strikes in Iraq and Syria, pretty much that border area between the two countries. Uh, This is pretty standard stuff. It's what you would anticipate. Uh, 
if, and I'm, I'm pleased that they are doing something. So I want to give credit where credit is due. I think the problem is that this was so heavily telegraphed. Uh, it was just called on a news network, the worst kept secret in Washington, which means it was the worst kept secret in Baghdad and Damascus and Tehran as well. So I think I think they had the bad guys had plenty of time to move assets and personnel uh, out of the danger zone. And so we'll have to wait uh, you know, for some number of hours or days to find out what what actually was destroyed. But, you know, I think I think we may wind up without too much to show for this particular round. So it's 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 theater basically is what is what we're watching here. It's just it's a retaliatory theater. Well, it, it does seem to be messaging. I mean, the the both the president and the secretary of defense and, and actually all of them have been emphatic that they do not want to start a war, that they don't want to go too far. They don't want to do something too provocative. Uh, so so I it, it would surprise me if we got much of substance. And I think what illustrates that is the confusion that we've been going through over the course of the last 45 minutes. I think Matt and I texted like 15 times. You know, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. Uh, because they, the Pentagon couldn't get their story straight. Um, so that, that all came through Jennifer Griffin, who's the thoughts reporter, who's the normal Pentagon source. And I mean, that's how things work. You know, shortly before an operation starts, two officials contact Jennifer, tell her what's going on, and she then gets the first report of it for Fox. And she did that at the top of the hour. Then she retracted. Then she reported it again. And so, I mean, they can't get their story straight. And that that makes me pretty nervous. Now, if if the goal here is not to start a war, but obviously you have a lot of people who are saying you have to do something. We need to do something. And some some people, you know, go far further than others in terms of what they're looking for here. But is this going to accomplish, I guess, the goal, which would be to get Iranian proxies to stop taking shots at us? Is that is this going to achieve that? Is do you think? What happened tonight will not. Uh, they they are used to this, and and what may have caused the confusion is that the Israelis did some strikes in Syria as well uh, this evening, and that that the Israeli strikes people took them to be the American strikes. They weren't, but the American strikes started shortly thereafter. So, you know, others besides us do this fairly routinely. They call it mowing the grass. You know, they try to degrade and deter the terrorists, but certainly none of it has been enough to get them to stop. And if they don't stop, then then what? Because, I mean, if it, I guess what I'm trying to say is when people are saying there should be airstrikes, if we're going to if we're going to retaliate, we're going to retaliate, we're going to send a message. If it's if we warn them in advance, if if, if these really are inconsequential in terms of what the effects are and they're going to keep coming, then doesn't it make sense to assume that this is going to escalate? Well, you know, that's that's probably a pretty good bet. You know, the the Iranians have been escalating up to and you know, crossing what had been the president's red line of of killing U.S. service men and women. Um, you know, and that that was supposed to result in, you know, in a con- conclusive gesture. And, and, you know, in terms of things you could do short of strikes in Iran, which you know, that is a very heavy, heavy step. And you might not want to make that your first step. I understand that. But the other piece of this puzzle is Hezbollah in Lebanon, another uh, Iranian proxy. What you could do is is 
uh, do some very serious but targeted strikes against Hezbollah leadership, which would send a signal that we don't really differentiate between their proxies the way they don't differentiate between the Americans and the Israelis. Uh, and I don't see why we would give them that kind of plausible deniability. So so that could be something that, that would be stronger than what we've done before more routinely and would send a very clear message that, hey, we can reach out and touch you guys and you better knock this off. Mm-hmm. We can reach out and touch you guys and you better knock this off. And, and, and if they don't knock it off, I, I guess... I have no confidence in Joe Biden. I don't think anybody does. I think everybody thinks that that he's completely useless and uh, Lloyd Austin disappeared. And it seems like John Kirby is making all the decisions right now, or at least he's the only one speaking on this. And it's uh, almost amazing that we're doing all this. And the president of the United States has yet to say anything, has yet to come to the podium, yet to address the nation from the Oval Office. I mean, all that is a is a political uh, disaster, I think, for them and a missed opportunity because he's the commander in chief. But what I'm worried about here is I'm worried about I keep hearing people on television say we keep knocking out warehouses that mean nothing. We keep doing this. That means nothing. We keep doing this. That inevitably the Houthis, all these other groups are going to keep doing this to us and that there are going to be calls that we have to do something against Iran. And that is going to escalate into something more. That's that's what I think we're all concerned about, that, that this won't this won't do it. And so I guess the question is, you know, would it have been better to do something that is that is much more serious today to really send the message so that we know it's over versus something that is is not that that serious, in which case then they might think, all right, we can still mess with these people. I you see. I don't know. And that's what I'm worried about here is that. I keep hearing people say with Iran, you have to be very definitive. You know, Trump goes in and kills Soleimani. They they back off. If you're not, they're going to keep coming at you and they're going to keep disowning it. But they're going to keep having their proxies come at you. How do we get away from that? What What's what's the answer to that, Dr. Victoria Coates? Is there an answer to that? Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be an answer for at least a year. Uh, I think you need new leadership. And I concur 100 percent about the president. It's why the we at the Heritage Foundation have had, among other reasons, but a fundamental reason we've had so many problems with their approach to Ukraine is we have no confidence in the president. Mm-hmm. You know, I might want to defeat Vladimir Putin. I might spend significant money to defeat him, but that's not what he's doing. And, you know, again, we're drifting into a quagmire in Ukraine because we've been on this very timid scale, not trying to defeat Putin, but just trying to drag this out and not lose. So unfortunately, I think we see that pattern repeating. I mean, what I would have advised had I been in the White House is, you know, when these attacks started in October, you know, be prepared, you know, that that at some point, if they keep going, they're going to kill Americans. And when they kill Americans, that's, you know, and that's when President Trump took his action. I, I don't disagree with that as a tripwire, but be prepared with a very serious option actually a series of them, and the president will choose which one he wants. It doesn't even seem like they were prepared. It took them almost a week to even start this. And as you said, it's certainly not the kind of definitive activity that will stop. I mean, I think the Iranians would have a vested interest in launching an attack over the next day or so, retaliatory attack, to show that they haven't been deterred or degraded. Uh, so, so I, I think your concerns are unfortunately perfectly justified. 
What what a mess. I mean, what a mess. Dr. Victoria Coates is with me. It's great to have her here on this breaking news day as the United States launches retaliatory strikes on dozens of sites in Iraq and Syria against Iran-backed targets. Dr. Coates, of course, is the vice president of the Davis Institute for Foreign for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation and a former deputy national security advisor for President Trump. Explain to us the significance of Syria and Iraq here. As people are listening to this and they keep hearing about Iranian-backed, Iranian-backed, and we're hitting targets in Syria and Iraq, not Iran, explain to us why that is. Yeah, this is this is basically the Iranian sphere of influence that they developed in the Obama and the post-Obama period when they basically infiltrated Iraq, created these uh, Shia militias, and then the Obama people actually partnered with these militias uh, to fight ISIS. And so what you wound up with was a situation where we decided the enemy of the enemy was our friend, that maybe we could partner with the Iranians. It was during the time of the negotiations for the, the nuclear deal under President Obama. And, you know, it, that turned into a disaster. What it means today is because we so heavily subsidize the Iraqi military and give, you know, ongoing financial aid to it, and they pay these guys salaries, we are essentially paying for these people who attacked and killed our people. And, you know, that's the reality on the ground in Iraq. It's not any better in Syria, where Lebanese Hezbollah has taken a very strong position in support of the dictator Bashir al-Assad. He has managed to hang on now for 10 years when we thought he was going to be toppled uh, a decade ago, and he was not. And so he's, he's still there, very, very firmly entrenched and partnering with the Iranians who, like Iraq, exert command and control over that country. And so if if we somehow try to do this dance, as Politico was reporting yesterday, that, oh, the Iranians really don't have control over these people, you know, then then you're you're taking your eye off the ball. You're not seeing clearly who your enemy is. And, you know, this this entire mess uh, can just get worse and worse. Can I ask you, and I'm not suggesting that we should, in, in no way am I saying that we should, but if we were to attack Iran, if we were to, not, maybe attack's the wrong word, but if we were to retaliate against Iran, if we were to bomb them in some way, what happens? I know that everybody's nervous about starting World War III here, but what what could happen? Does Iran have nuclear missiles? Does, does, does Russia get involved? Does China get involved? I mean, how would it, an attack actually against the Islamic Republic of Iran play out? Well, and I'm the last one to accuse you of being a warmonger, Rich. So I don't. <laughs> Thank you. I, don't I appreciate. Think, <laughs> Thank you. I don't think it's you're, an emotional you're day for me, that. though, because uh, since Carl Weathers died, I am looking for a fight. I know. So I know. You know. Oh, it's a very sad, sad day for Philadelphia. But uh, I think you know what historically has happened. If you punch the Iranians, is that they back down and they do not, to our knowledge, possess a functioning nuclear weapon at this time. So, and I think that is accurate. They may be on the verge of it, which is, you know, something to to take into consideration, but they they almost certainly do not write write this minute. And so, you know, and the other thing about Iran, which is important to remember, is they are not 100 feet high and invincible. They have very severe internal problems. Uh, Their economy remains a basket case, even though they are getting the oil revenues. They don't do anything productive with it. They don't invest them. They don't improve infrastructure. They spend them on their military and their terrorist proxies, which keeps them in power. But the country is in in dire straits. 
And so managing Iran should not be an insurmountable task for the United States of America and our allies. And and so you could do, you know, naval strikes, which is what President Reagan chose, you know, those in, you know, in the in the Arabian Gulf would be a very logical thing to do, not in mainland Iran proper, but showing American capabilities that they can't match. And mm-hmm. that's really the point. You want to show them we can do things they can't and that we are willing to do them. And that's when I think they would logically back down. So what's the why then is, is the reluctance for the administration then to do something? What, what who, like what's the agenda here behind that, that they would say, let's not do something within the actual border of the Islamic Republic of Iran for the moment, at least? Well, as I said, I don't I don't know that it's necessary tonight. I think Mm -hmm. if you did do the Hezbollah strikes, if you went after actual Iranians who are present in all of these places, you know, the journal reported that the Iranian foreign minister attended one of the planning meetings for the October 7th attacks in Beirut. So they're there. We know where they are. You know, bomb a building that has a bunch of Hezbollah and IRGC folk in it and see how they like it. You know, that's in Lebanon. You don't. And then, you know, you do have a step you can take. You're not you're not starting with all your aces on the table, which is never a good move. But, you know, you, you are showing those exquisite capabilities that they don't have. And, right. you know, that's that's really, I think, the key message to be sending tonight. And, you know, we'll wait and see. Maybe I'm wrong. It's happened before. Uh, but it, nothing I've seen so far suggests that's the case. And when they say this is a multi-tiered campaign, which, as I understand it, is it it starts in one phase and it keeps going. It could last several days. It could it could get bigger. Is is that what we can expect here when they say it's a multi-tiered campaign? I guess, but you know, the problem there is under what authority are they undertaking this multi-tiered campaign? Uh, the president has very clear Article Two authorities that when we are attacked, he can defend the nation, and that is appropriate, and that's what President uh, President Trump used uh, as a justification for the Soleimani strike. And so, you know, that that is, you know, within the law, and, you know, the Congress isn't going to question that. But I'll tell you, if we, we start getting into week two, week three of a very expensive bombing campaign that can drift us into a bigger uh, conflict, you're going to have just howls of rage from both sides of the aisle in Congress. And you know, it doesn't seem to me that much, if anything, has been done to lay the groundwork for either getting authority to strike the Iranians, which I don't think would be impossible even in Washington today. I mean, nobody likes what they're doing. Uh, and the American people deserve to know their representatives have been consulted, have been presented with a plan, and that the majority of them say, okay, go kill some Iranians. Uh, you know, I, I could see that deal being made, as I said, even in our current poisonous environment. But they they are not doing that work. And on that point, I, I think people would would appreciate their elected representatives debating this. Certainly, I agree with you. Under, under the War Powers Act, the president is certainly acting within his authority at the moment. U.S. Central Command, they're saying now they struck more than 85 targets who else is, is in? Is it just the U.S. on its own right now? Is Britain joining in with us? Is anyone else joining in the fun here? <laughs> well, 
Well, one other thing that concerned me is clearly we didn't know about the Israeli strikes tonight, and that's what created the communications confusion in, you know, in the initial reporting. You know, one would hope we were really lashed up with the Israelis, you know, sharing our, you know, intentions and targets as much as we could. You know, God forbid there's some kind of mix up or mess up between us. That would be would be catastrophic. Uh, we did do one of our Syria operations in conjunction with both the Brits and the French. And so that is possible. The B-1 bombers that participated in this uh, came out of bases in England. So clearly the Brits are at least aware whether they actually participated or not. I don't know yet. Yeah, we don't. There's so much. we. I guess we just don't know. And it's going to develop throughout the afternoon. But but basically right now, what we can probably maybe guess is that this is probably going to go on through the weekend. And they're saying now the U.S. believes Iran is nervous about some of its proxy groups. And that's the goal here, obviously, is to make them nervous and to make them tell them to back down. And if they did that, if Iran did that, would they listen to Iran? Does Iran have that kind of control over these different proxy groups? Well, they do, because they, they can cut off the funds and the weapons, uh, and that can happen pretty quickly. And they also provide a lot of the organization, the command and control, as I said, because these, these are not, you know, elite fighting forces. They, you know, the Houthi don't organize themselves to fire off ballistic missiles on their own. They need that uh, that much more sophisticated support. So I'm glad the administration thinks the Iranians are nervous. I don't know. I mean, did the Iranians call and tell them how they're feeling? I mean, I don't know how you would know that, you know, within half an hour of strikes taking place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of curious. And, of course, not to anyone's surprise, they've already called a lid. They called a lid, I think, before 4 o'clock on the president's day. So, again, under normal circumstances, on a day when you're going to launch a military exercise, you wouldn't call a lid until, you know, it, it, it... it, it's just extraordinary to me that the president can't stir himself to come out at seven o'clock tonight and tell the American people what what has happened. Uh, it's it's it really unprecedented. And, you know, maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll, they'll take the lid off. But you know, they, they didn't have to do that. You know, you it would signal that, you know, it is it's not for certain, but it is possible the president will have something to say. And, you, ha- you know, the networks can kind of prepare for that. But no, they, they called the lid. Which also and I know I know we don't talk politics with you, but I mean, just from a political point of view, <laughs> as you're running for reelection, just seems like a huge missed opportunity for the commander in chief in an election year to come out and speak. I mean, that makes zero political sense to me. Iran is reporting, apparently, Iranian official state news is reporting that at least 10 people have been killed so far in Syria, including three Iraqis. The report cites Syrian and Iraqi sources, and obviously those numbers will go up. Um, do you, and this will be the last question, because I know you got to run. I know you're going to be in very high demand. We'll be seeing you all over Fox News and the BBC and everywhere else in the next couple of days, Dr. Victoria Coates. But is this going to be one of those situations where we, 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 we launch, we wait, we see, we, we're there ready to strike again if we need be? Or is this just going to be days of pounding, or do we just, is it just too early to tell? early to tell. I mean, certainly this isn't a kind of a Iraq war shock and awe uh, kind of campaign, which, you know, as a military exercise was extraordinarily successful, did exactly what Secretary Rumsfeld planned for it to do, which it just decimated Iraq and, you know, 
basically toppled the government. And that's what he had been asked to do. That's what he did. We could debate the wisdom of that with 20 years of hindsight. But but that, you know, that was the kind of action of which of which we're capable. And so, you know, I, I'd like to hear that something with Iranian DNA was killed. Uh, I would like to see some evidence that they've lost capabilities that they don't have squirreled away somewhere else. And I'd like to see how they respond over the next 48 hours. And so, you know, we certainly will know a whole lot more next Friday. Uh, so hopefully some of it is good news. Um, I feel like I always come on and spout a lot of bad news. Uh, but but we'll, we'll see. And certainly all of our servicemen and women who are participating in these exercises should be in our prayers. Well said. Well said, as always. Dr. Victoria Coates, we really appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Rich. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Oh, Henry. We can't fly. You're the best. You know, I'm, I'm really grateful that uh, Dr. Coates came on because she answered a lot of questions I had, including, I mean, there was a story here today, for example, that said... Um, the terror groups are evacuating their positions. There's questions of whether or not Tehran, Tehran even has full control over these groups. There was a story from Politico saying U.S. officials estimate Tehran does not have full control of its proxy groups. Now, that may be one of those stories that's put out there as a fugazi to deflect. I think Dr. Coates answered that question by saying, well, Iran can certainly cut off the money. And the, and the munitions. So that's a key point right there. Obviously, we'll have to watch as all this. I had other things to ask her about Ukraine and UNRWA and everything else. But, you know, I mean, literally the bombing started moments before Dr. Coates joined us. So we were very, very lucky and fortunate to have her and her brilliant analysis uh, at the perfect time. I mean, truly at the perfect time. And there's no one better than Dr. Victoria Coates, except we do have our very own on the ground reporter and I want to thank Jacques Gary for reminding me that we have our own Zioli Show official Middle East correspondent. And this is the latest report we have from her. Take a listen. I think they're blowing it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, Dr. Victoria Coates, one, Mama Zioli, two, in terms of on a day, who, you, who you'd want on a day like today. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Victoria Coates, as good as it gets in terms of foreign policy, but Mama Zioli is on the ground. Yeah, I mean, she's on the ground. She's very, very, she got a front row seat to this. Uh, she's in Turkey, I believe, right now, so she can see all this happen. And um, w- once again, the update from Mama Zioli. I think they're blowing it up. Yeah, I think she's right on that. So we'll follow, we'll monitor this as we continue throughout the show. 855-839-1210. Coming up, Dr. Wilford Riley will join us as we talk about all things are woke, including the intersectionality canard. Coming right back. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.